the WIFA team is proud to bring you WIFA Waves. Hi, my name is Lindsay Rainwater, the founder and chief executive officer of the Women in Fitness Association. At WIFA, we believe that storytelling has a magical way of connecting us all. WIFA Waves is the podcast devoted to the sound waves of your career, the voice of our global community. Well, today on the Weefa Waves podcast, I am so blessed to get to speak with Rachel. Um, she is coming to us from her new home, which I'll let her tell you a little bit about where she is, uh, a longtime industry veteran, and is really going to chat with us about how women can support each other and not feel alone. And we'll talk a little bit about her experience with Weefa. But Rachel, welcome to the Weefa Waves. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. What's your, what's your uh, quick version of where you live, a little bit about you, and what drew you to WIFA? Okay, sounds good. So like you mentioned, I just moved to Greenville, South Carolina, and I had, I've spent the last decade in living in New York City, and once COVID kind of revealed itself and our gym was not gonna come back, we realized that, you know, we wanted to maybe start fresh somewhere else. So we chose Greenville, South Carolina. We've been here for a few weeks. We love it. We love our new place. And I have been a personal trainer and a group exercise um, instructor for over 20 years. And I have an AAS degree in fitness technology, and I have been just focusing on my personal training business for the past 15 years. But I also just recently wrote a book about my experience with my body image. It's called The Donut Diaries. And my, my goal in writing my story was that so women didn't feel alone. And I really have gotten some great feedback, and I hope that that's what I accomplished with writing my book. I received that book in the mail and we found a copy of it and I'm so excited to read through it. It's a lovely cover and I appreciate your mission and it's one of, it aligns with why we exist, you know, four or five years ago, I wanted to find a female mentor that was a mom running a business and could give me advice. And I couldn't figure out what, where professionally, other than cold calling or cold emailing people off LinkedIn, where I could go to find women that were willing to help other women. And so, you know, we invented a place. And so thank you for your willingness to support that cause. And it's, I get asked regularly why WIFA should exist. And I think that's why, because it's not, uh, call it safe, call it mainstream. Like it just doesn't feel warm and fuzzy to go up to a man and talk through some of the logistics that we can so easily talk through every day. Absolutely. I was just listening to your podcast that I don't know when you did it, but it was released last week with that PhD Katie. And she was just so amazing about how she wants, you know, just women to help each other. And like, you know, your relationship with her and, you know, I was just like listening to it, just saying, yes, yes, that's, you know, the way I feel. And for so long, women, you know, 
really butted heads with each other and wouldn't support each other. And, you know, I'm sure some of that still exists, but I really have felt, I've been a WIFA member for about a year now, and I really felt that these women that I'm meeting are genuinely kind and giving mm -hmm. and really, really out to help each other. And I think that's such an amazing thing that you've created. So congratulations mm -hmm. to you on that. Thank you, Rachel. It's, um, it's, I feel it's really humbling to have had an idea that resonated deeply and that, you know, we're a nonprofit. So I always say, you know, I was, I was asked to give birth to Weefa, but she's certainly not my child. She's the industry's child. Right. And it really feels like that. She's all of ours. And right. um, I'm just, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey with WIFA and do you have any WIFA stories or anything that you love about your experience with the association? I do. I really have felt, you know, throughout my career that one of my strengths is mentoring women and teaching. And I mean, I think that's one of the continuous compliments I have gotten throughout my personal training careers that I'm a good teacher. And I believe that about myself because, you know, a lot of women come to me with their one goal. I want to lose weight. And it's like, I get that. I do. I've struggled with my weight my whole life, but it's deeper than that. Right. And you have to have yeah. somebody that you trust and that you feel comfortable talking to and that you can really open up to um, to have success, you know, long-term success, you know, you can easily starve yourself and lose 20 pounds in a month. Right. But is that going to stay off? No. So you have to kind of get to the root of what's going on with you and how you were raised, what your association with food is mm -hmm. and how you feel about your body to have, you know, real success. And so when I, cause I'm a member or excuse me, my certification is through ACE, uh, American Council on Exercise. And that's how I found out about WIFA. And so when I was awarded a initial, um, I'm not really sure how, what you call it, but I got my first year for free from WIFA, mm -hmm. which was, yeah. and um, so since I had been a member, I made sure that I joined in all the meetups as many as I could. I started mentoring a woman who she and I have formulated a friendship and it's so great. And I've just met women all over the world that I never would have met because of WIFA. So I'm super grateful for that. Rachel, you're like the, I feel like as a founder, when we dream something up, like the growth grant with ACE, you're literally the poster child for how we hope, how we hope it goes. <laughs> Someone gets the grant, they see it as that, it's, they take advantage of all the offerings, they, and they do it and it changes their life. So I'm, I'm <laughs> so happy to hear that. And yeah. Um, I would love to hear, you know, a couple of career highlights. Like you've been in the industry for decades. You've been impacting lives for decades. You've clearly honed in on the secret that I think it takes folks a long time to understand sometimes, which is it's our bodies are kind of the last thing to change in a lot of ways, long-term. Like you said, you could maybe do a restriction diet or something and see results, but I have always in the last, you know, actually from doing a lot of work with Katie Hendricks, the woman I interviewed, I've reached a place where I'm clear that what I eat, how I move my body is an expression of my, the love I have for myself, not a form of 
punishment because of what I ate or restriction because of something like there's no exchanges like that that happened for me if I'm not having fun doing the workout I'm not going to do it like really getting clear on my reasons for movement and the long-term sustainability of that so I love that you have such a strong mission there because it's needed and it's something that's really set me free personally so in that journey can you think of a couple highlights that you could share with the audience about your career trajectory and then a couple of highlights that come up to you that you're really proud of sure um so i would say that my greatest accomplishment is that i have had uh so i moved to new york city in 2007 and there's a handful of clients that i started with right away and i can gratefully say that they're still my clients. And I think that that speaks volumes to the fact that I realized very early on personal trainer means exactly that it's personal, right? I have always valued my beliefs in that I am not one of those trainers who is going to just throw exercise at you because I saw it on the biggest loser or I saw, I don't know if we're allowed to say that, sorry. Or I, you know, read about it in a magazine because it was the next best thing. I have always kind of been intuitive when it comes to people's bodies. And if they don't like an exercise, that's because they don't, it doesn't feel good, right? It doesn't feel good to them. So why force them to do something that doesn't feel good? Because like you said, they're not gonna stick with it. So I tailor every person's workout and regimen to them, to their personality, to their body functionality, because we all move differently. And that is a fact, you know? I can do things that maybe you can't and vice versa. So um, I would really say that that is something that is attributed to my success is that I try listen to you. I allow trust to grow between us and I do not dole out cookie cutter workouts. It's amazing. And so over the course of the last, do you have like any specific stories that rise to the top for you that you're like, yes, this was the award or this was the woman, like, is there any specific accomplishments that you're really proud of? Um, maybe not as far as a person goes, but I will say that uh, writing this book and getting it published and getting it out into the world is probably at this stage of my career, the number one, because I have yeah. thought about this for like 20 years. I've always I, I know it sounds wow. cheesy, but like this was my destiny to do this book because I've thought about it many times over the, but then I was like, no one wants to hear this. But during COVID, I was just like, you know what? All the stars aligned. Like I met someone who knew this person and knew this publisher and I met the publisher and he, it just, it, everything was flowing and there was no roadblocks. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm so proud of myself that I did because even if it just helps one woman, I'm totally okay with that. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, and it helped you because you did what you were meant to do, right? It unlocked the next phase of your own potential. So oh, good job on you. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So talk a little bit about when you talk about women being heard and making an impact, why is that important to you? 
Well, because my own experience, I really never felt like that. I always felt like whether it was my relationship with myself, my relationship with the kind of women I interacted with or society or, you know, what I was brought up with, my body was never good enough, you know, and mm -hmm. I always felt like my girlfriend's I, I would hear the same thing. And when I became a trainer, I would hear the same thing from women at all ages. You know, I have trained women who are in their 20s and I've trained women who are in their 70s. So it's still so prevalent to hear a woman be dissatisfied with their body and how it looks. And I hate this and I want to work on this. And I, you know, and it's just enough is enough. And I want to be a tool uh, that helps women realize that this is all just ingrained thoughts and behaviors. And because of our habits, we've only made it that much more unbreakable. And if I can help you in any way, because if I can do it to myself, because there wasn't a day in my entire teenage life, young adulthood, uh, early womanhood, until I was 40 or four, almost 50 years old, that I didn't say something derogatory about my body. And if I can do it, if I can break those binds, then you can too. And I just want to be a guide. I just want to help you um, realize that about yourself. So, so for the women listening that have found the awareness in their own mind that they know they have negative self-talk, because that's the first step is just even realizing they're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And that in itself is a huge accomplishment to have the awareness of your thought patterns. So mm -hmm. is there anything that you could share that is a great starting point of, okay, I've recognized that I've got a hamster on the wheel in my brain that tells me every day how I feel about my body. What's like the first step in unwinding that thinking? That's a great question. And the truth is for me, I just got tired. I was just tired of hating myself and hating my body. But to be honest with you, Lindsay, the truth is it's not an overnight thing. It has to be almost a mantra that you tell yourself daily. It has to be a change in your mindset. Like I want better for myself. I want to be happy. I, I mean, still like just talking about it brings me almost to the like verge of tears because it's so hard to do. And it's going to, the, the path is going to be different for everyone, but I will say it's definitely a mindset and you have to start speaking kindly to yourself. The minute, you know, you want to say, uh, I'm so fat or uh, 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 whatever you pick apart, you know, you almost have to like, you know, consciously stop yourself from even putting it out in the universe because that's what solidifies those feelings about yourself. So for, that's what I would say. For me, I had to start talking kindly to myself. And then, you know, I started to believe it. And I started to say, you know what? That's right. I am beautiful no matter what size I am or how old I'm getting or how whatever, 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 how we always pick ourselves apart. And trust me, it is still a daily task. And sometimes I slip up. Sometimes I do. I look in the mirror and go, ugh. <laughs> you know, but what I do try to do is correct as quickly as I can and say, you know what, it's okay to have this feeling, it's going to pass. And I tell myself, I love myself, or I tell myself I'm okay. And that usually helps. Gosh, it's, you know, interesting. And I think, I don't know if this has been your experience, but in my own journey through this topic, 
each decade of being a woman or even every five years or every two and three years, there's something new that presents itself that I get to love that wasn't there before. So my version of that is, you know, coming through a really tumultuous eating disorder in my twenties and addictive behaviors, and then recovering from that. But then in my thirties, having three kids back to back and the new stuff that they brought up around the same, same, but different. So trusting my body, trusting the experience of getting pregnant, trusting the experience of postpartum. And I actually was better at it with my first than I, it's like, I've gotten worse at trusting my body, the longer the time has gone on. And so I'm now in another cycle of trusting myself and trusting the process and rewiring. And it's as simple and complicated as every time I hear a thought come through. So it happened to me, I'll use a very tangible example. It was 75 degrees in where I live on Saturday. And so for the first time in as long as I can remember, I put on a t-shirt to go somewhere. And so the choice about what I looked, what my arms look like right now, Mm -hmm. in comparison to the story I make up about what they should look like and who's telling me the story. I'm comparing myself to other people. I'm comparing myself to a version of myself that I was when I didn't have a third baby, Mm -hmm. all the things, how long it's supposed to take for me to have fit arms again. What is fit? Like really being willing to pick apart all of that shit because it becomes, because what I noticed is, so I like, we, we got all dressed as a family and we walked around the block because our neighbors were having a block party. And then at that block party, I had to consciously make the choice to practice self-love internally so that I was present for the conversation. Absolutely. Because it was so loud in my brain. I was like, wow, I'm really obsessed with how I look right now versus being and going, oh, well, that other mom looks better. Oh, well, she is a two-year-old. So that's okay. That's why she looks better. (laughs) Oh my God, just exhausting. But I think it's important to normalize. Like, I know I'm not the only person that has that kind of thing happen. Yeah, we all do. And I think that that is so valuable of your example, because that's what it sounds like, right? It may sound differently Mm -hmm. to each woman, but that it's, you know, it's called inner chatter and, you know, all that, like it is exhausting. And I think once you can, and that's what we talked about kind of in the beginning, if you start to realize that this is deeper than just the, the number on the scale or the size of your oh, yeah. hand, you know, if you can start to realize that it's deep and it's loud and it's in your head and it's in your subconscious, then you're, you're there. You're, you know, you're mm-hmm. able to change your way that you present yourself. And it's, I mean, I bet you, once you kind of told yourself that you probably had so much more fun at the block party because your mind was like finally quiet. You know, you yeah. kind of have to scold yourself sometimes to be like, you know what? You do. Enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, Hey, what are you? Cause this is the deal I have with myself. It's like, if it there's, I use a mental filing system in my yeah. control, out of my control. Well, what puts things in my control action? I can't take any action around changing the outcome of how my arms look in this moment. So let the F go of it and recommit to choosing this week to lift up her body. Cause that's 
the only, like the action is what changes the outcome. Correct. Uh, it, don't eat six Twizzlers after 7 p.m. Have one at three. Like change the behavior, right? And if you want six, have six, but realize that the, the 10 pounds you want to see lost could take more time. But like, just have the conversation with yourself instead of oh, just obsessing, right? Um, and it's just really, I think it's so important that you're having this conversation that women are having this conversation and to make it, to help people understand that it's more normal than you would think. That yes. most people struggle yeah. with their own version of this and that, you know, we can point culturally to where it comes from, but we still have a responsibility between our own ears on how to reconstruct our own minds so that we can be available to the lives we're trying to create. Absolutely. You know, and I think that so many times in our lives, and you know, I don't want this to come across as I'm chastising. Cause again, I want my message to be clear. This is my journey. This is my story. I did this to myself for, you know, almost 50 years, but there was a kind of a victimization in my mentality, right? I mean, oh, I'm so fat. Or I would see a picture of myself and literally cry because I look so fat. Mm -hmm. And that was my mantra. So how could it, if I say something to myself every day, how could it not have been my truth? So if I didn't Mm -hmm. learn, like you were saying, what am I really in control of? And what am I not? What am I doing to myself? That's making this my reality. If as soon as I took responsibility and my therapist says all the time, my response is my responsibility. And that to me just was like, you know, because it's so true. It's like, we want to say all the time, what's wrong with us. But like you mentioned, what are we doing in our own lives that is making this (laughs) happen or making this, you know, making this the way our body is. Um, But I do strongly feel that a lot of this mentality does get created by the diet industry. And that's kind of in my book, what I talk about, because I've restricted my entire life up until recently. And I think that once I let go of that association, if I eat this, then this is going to happen. Or if I don't eat that, then that will happen. And that is just not true. You know, I, I feel like the more we just let food be something that we do instead of something that is done to us, we will all find freedom so much. Uh, I don't know, faster is a word, but holy, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and just even eating for the way that you're going to feel or eating for like, that's been a big shift for me. It's just, how do I want to feel? And I know there's, Correct. as I get older, especially there's certain foods. I just don't feel good after I eat them. Yeah. And with three young children and a business, like there's no option for me to be off per se. So yeah. just eat the foods that, you know, digest well and feel good in your body, et cetera. That's so true. Okay. I, once you kind of figure out what foods work for you, because inflammation is a real thing and it affects us all in some way, shape, form or another. And you hear a lot of people, oh, I have this problem and I have this problem. And it's like, well, you should take a look at what you're eating because 95% of that is going to be diet related, you know? And so, and again, not all 
healthy foods, I'm using finger quotes, work for everybody, right? So everybody in the whole universe thinks that eggs are healthy (laughs) and, you know, they may not work for your body composition. They may not make you feel good. So once the sooner you recognize all those things, and then it can be your choice. Like, okay, you know what? I really want eggs for brunch. I'm going to do it this once. It may not work out for me, but I want them. Or you just take them out of your diet completely, or you don't and you suffer all the time. See, these are all the choices that we get to make. But I think the more and more that we listen to our body's signals, like you're saying, we are going to feel good most of the time. Mm, I agree. And isn't that the goal? Let's all just keep feeling good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, Um, because feel good. We're happier. We're nicer. We're kinder. We're, you know, more productive. I mean, if you don't feel good, you don't want to do anything, right? <laughs> no, not at all. So when you think back on a younger Ashley, do you have any kind words or advice that you wish you could give her? Um, you mean myself, Rachel? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Rachel. What did I say? You said, I thought you said Ashley. <laughs> I was like, who's that? I probably <laughs> I don't know. That's the no sleep speaking is what just happened. That's Lindsay on newborn sleep. Anyway, um, sorry. Your baby is Rachel. So cute. Thank I you. Thought, I thought she present herself with her little bow today, but she must be napping. She's in my lap right now. So oh, she, she, when she's awake, she'll, yeah, she's, she's <laughs> for everyone out there. It's possible to record a podcast with a child in your lap. Um, okay. Okay. Let's talk about so, Rachel's little, little, little Rachel. Oh, yeah. If I could go back and tell my younger self one thing, I would say you are beautiful just the way you are. Yeah. You know, Rachel, I think it's really important. I've come to believe recently that we use the words beautiful and brilliant. And like, in my mind, words that in my upbringing, I was told would make me, what was the word that got used? Like cocky or too proud. And so uh, the outcome was that the words that were spoken over me were very vanilla and not, I couldn't really wrap my head around it. Like I, my parents did the best they could with the resources they had, but just right doesn't mean anything to a seven-year-old. So I think it's important to say like, you are a handsome young man. You are a beautiful, intelligent woman, little girl, like, because the framing that the rest of the world is going to bring them for the rest of their life is not as kind as what I know can happen inside my home. So I think it's so important that you brought that up and to name it, like you're beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important that women feel all of the things, right? Beautiful, smart, kind, valuable. You know, I think that those words should be normalized. Absolutely. You know, and, but I do think that it should be more than just, you know, oh, you're so pretty. It's like, yeah, that's great. And there's lots of beautiful women out there, but, you know, I've learned that I become more and more beautiful with being a good person, being a kind person, being a strong mentor to other women, 
So yeah, I totally agree with you. We have to start raising our kids with knowing that it's okay to be more than just one thing. Mm -hmm. I would love it. I heard anything if I meet a little girl in my future that doesn't even know what the word diet means. That to me would be like a job well done. Like for me, I would pat myself. If I could make that a reality, I would love that. I'm trying over here. I'll let you know how that, that's not a word we use in our home. They don't even know what that is yet. So hopefully that's not a yet. So talk to the audience about something coming up that you're excited about. I mean, you talked about your book. Is that what you want to share more about? Or what is it that you're excited about you'd like to share? I'm just excited about starting in a new place. It seems like a very happy place, a very active place. And yes, I would love to get my book out there in a different way. I mean, I'm so grateful that it's on Amazon, but it's like, I want to use it as a stepping stone to do, you know, more things with WIFA, to do things with women's groups. And even in my, um, my uh, community where I live, I see a lot of women and there's some girls in that gym that are lifting heavy weights and it's awesome, you know, I love it. But there's lots of women here and I would love to just reach out to them and, and you know, start changing some mindsets. That's what I'm super excited about. I would love to do that. Mm, that's magical, that's magical. Well, you've got the community, will help set you up to do that. Let's do, uh, tell folks both your web address or email, like where can they find you on the internet? Of course. My website is rachellavinfitness.com. I'm on Instagram at rachellavinfitness. My, uh, I should spell my last name. It's L-A-V as in Victor, I-N. I'm on Facebook as Rachel Lavin Fitness. So there's three ways you can find me. My email and my phone number are on all of those platforms. And um, yeah, reach out to me via WIFA as well. And, uh, oh, I'm on LinkedIn too, but you know what? I'm still trying to familiarize myself with that. So, but I'm sure that's Rachel Levin fitness too. <laughs> Amazing. Perfection. Well, let's do a couple of rapid fire fun questions to end, and then we will sign off for the day. So I love asking this question. So hopefully you don't, you find it a fun one, but I love different moisturizers and um, topical creams. And I'm a big fan of like, I don't wear, I use an SPF, but other than that, I don't like putting too much on my skin except for those things. Do you have a favorite beauty product that you're really into? Oh my God, yes. I have come across Tula. Have you heard of Tula yet? Yes, Tula, uh, I love Tula. Their 24 seven moisturizer is like putting icing on your face it's like it smells so good but it's like fluffy and light and I'm telling you my skin is super plump I love it love they have have you tried their mask stick have you seen that yeah. it's like a stick of clay mask huh so it doesn't involve all the messiness you just kind of rub it on oh yeah news to me I haven't tried it yet but I heard I've heard good things but, okay, are you, if you are a TV person, what are you streaming or binge watching? And if you're not a TV person, what are you listening or reading? Okay, so I am a total streaming person. And right now, 
I am watching The Thing About Pam with Renee Zellweger. I am not so familiar good. with the story beforehand, so it's kind of new to me, but a client of mine watches or listens to all those like true crime podcasts. So she's like, oh yeah, I know the story. But I told her, I'm like, don't tell me anything because watching Renee Zellweger unfold as a psychotic woman is so much fun. So it's called Ooh. The Thing About Pam on Hulu. Okay, I'll have to check it. I've seen the... I've seen a lot of ads for it, but I haven't, do- I haven't dove in. I just finished the, um, I just forgot the name of it. Is the lady that it was, it's on Netflix, but it's the, the woman that was the con artist. Oh, in that. Thank you. This is where the no sleep thing happens. Am I totally good? And then I'm like, yep, can't access that. Was up for three hours last night. Don't have a clue. Yeah, anyway, well. That was a good one too. Whew. You know the trainer okay. that they portray that Levon Cox, Laverne, sorry, pardon me, Cox. Yeah. yeah, I know her. I know her. No way. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. They do. You, have you connected with her after the show and been like, oh my gosh, you're portraying? I, I mean, on Facebook or Instagram, I was like, congratulations, Casey. But I'm sure she was getting like so much outpouring of like all the kudos oh. that. So I hope she got my yeah. congratulations. But yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. Rachel, thank you for being on the We Feel Use podcast. Thank you for sharing so openly with the community. Thank yeah. you. Great right. time with you, Lindsay. Have a wonderful and get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try. <laughs>